Like the recruitment of physicians, hospitals can financially induce non-physician practitioners to relocate. But be very careful. The rules are different when compared with physician recruitment and the physician recruitment exception under the Stark Law. Captain Integrity Production and the law firm of Nelson Mullins presents Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. Stark Integrity explores the world of the Stark Law and healthcare compliance with our nationally recognized Stark Law, Fraud, and Compliance Attorney, Bob Wade. Bob has a national healthcare legal and compliance practice that focuses on the minions of the Anti-Kickback Statute, False Claims Act, and the Stark Law, including fair market value and commercial reasonableness. Although Bob is a law partner in the national law firm of Nelson Mullins, the views expressed in Stark Integrity are Bob's personal views and not the views of the firm, and they are not intended to be legal advice. Now, without further ado, I give you Captain Integrity, Bob Wade. Welcome to Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance Podcast. My name is Bob Wade, and I am your host. Today, I'm going to be talking about non-physician practitioner recruitment. And if you've been following Stark Integrity, the podcast, you would know that in previous episodes, I had a two-part dealing with physician recruitment and what type of financial incentives can be provided for physician recruitment. And in those episodes, we discussed the difference between the, the Stark Law, which the Stark Law applies to physicians and physician recruitment, and the safe harbor under the anti-kickback statute. The safe harbor under the anti-kickback statute is a provider recruitment safe harbor. So it's broader than just physicians. And again, remember, the Stark Law is very definitionally driven, and at its core, under the Stark Law, it prohibits a physician from referring to a designated health service entity if the physician has a financial arrangement unless that physician has a compensation or ownership arrangement that strictly adheres to a Stark Law exception. And based upon the two episodes that I recorded based upon physician recruitment, I did receive a lot of emails and comments from listeners basically agreeing with a lot of the positions that I took with respect to physician recruitment, as well as asking some you know, pretty unique questions uh, that I was able to answer dealing with isolated issues under the physician recruitment exception. So the physician recruitment exception applies only to the recruitment of physicians under the safe harbor, the provider recruitment safe harbor applies to physicians and non-practitioners as well as other recruitments. And in the non-physician practitioner exception, it applies to arrangements where at its core, we're trying to recruit non-physician practitioners, but it's through physicians. And that is why the Stark Law is implicated, is because a financial arrangement will exist between the non-physician practitioner and the physician group with the hospital providing a financial incentive to the physician group. 
So the question I get asked frequently is, well, what about recruitment of non-physician practitioners? And there was a long period of time under the Stark Law where there was really no exception under the Stark Law for the financial inducement related to the recruitment of a non-physician practitioner. But recently, uh, they did come out with, CMS came out with, the exception that's called assistance to compensate a non-physician practitioner. So this is going back to what I referenced in the physician recruitment discussion. This is providing a financial inducement to recruit a non-physician practitioner. However, for the Stark Law to apply, the compensation arrangement has to be with a physician. So one would ask, well, then why are we talking about a non-physician practitioner? Well, this exception relates to a hospital, and just like when I spoke about the uh, physician recruitment exception, that the recruitment exception for non-physician practitioners can be provided by hospitals, federally qualified health centers, or rural health clinics. So these are entities that have a medical staff. So uh, for the purpose of this episode, I'm going to be referring to as a hospital, but it does include a hospital, federally qualified health center, as well as a rural health clinic. So that is when a hospital financially induces, and here's the kicker, induces a physician or a physician organization to recruit a non-physician practitioner. So if a hospital wanted to do a recruitment of a non-physician practitioner directly with a, an NPP, then arguably the safe harbor under the anti-kickback statute would apply. But if the financial inducement was directly with that NPP, the NPP is not a licensed MD or DO, uh, so therefore the Stark Law would not apply unless the NPP was an immediate family member of a referring physician. So if it's directly with an NPP and that NPP is not an immediate family member of a referring physician, then, then it's outside of the Stark Law, and then it would fall into the provider recruitment safe harbor under the anti-kickback statute, which, again, I talked about in previous episodes. So under the exception of the Stark Law, the financial inducement has to go from the hospital to a physician or physician group or a physician organization. So some of the basic terms is that the arrangement has to be set out in writing, very similar to the arrangement with a physician. It has to be signed by, and this is required to be a three-way contract, the hospital, the physician or physician group, and the non-physician practitioner that is being recruited. Now remember, under the recruitment exception, there was a three-way contract that was required if the financial inducement was going from a hospital to a physician group and the group was recruiting the physician. So in that context, then the written agreement has to be signed by three parties, and in that situation would be the hospital, the physician group, and the recruited physician. Here, it always will require a three-way signed agreement between the hospital, the physician group, or the individual physician, if this is an individual practice, and the NPP, and that the compensation has to commence before the NPP 
or the physician group receives the compensation. So it has to commence before the physician enters into a compensation arrangement, which is an employment arrangement, uh, with the NPP. So three-way contract, and it has to be signed before the group enters into the financial arrangement with the NPP. So if you have a, a group practice that has recruited an NPP and has already signed an employment agreement and then goes to the hospital, then that would not comply with this exception. So the requirement under this exception is this three-way agreement, this commitment by the hospital to assist the physician group has to be signed before they commence the financial arrangement between the physician group and the NPP. Then the compensation arrangement, just like the physician recruitment exception, cannot be conditioned on the physician. So this is the physicians in the group practice or the physician organization cannot be dependent upon their referrals. That's one of those duh situations under the Stark Law. Or it cannot be conditioned upon the NPP's referrals. So you cannot condition any type of financial inducement or the payment being made based upon the physicians or the NPP's referrals to the hospital. Now, one of the biggest differences between the physician recruitment exception and the NPP uh, recruitment exception is the limitation of the financial arrangement. If a hospital is going to recruit an NPP, then the amount of the remuneration cannot exceed 50% of what the physician or the physician group is paying the NPP for compensation, signing bonus, and benefits. So just by way of example, if the compensation, signing bonus, and benefits was $100,000, then the hospital could not pay more than $50,000 to that physician group. So unlike the physician recruitment exception where a hospital could actually, through an income guarantee, basically guarantee 100% of a physician's compensation. Under the NPP exception, it's limited only to 50%. And I have received calls from clients where that was the pinnacle issue, where somebody thought, well, if we can recruit a physician, then we can actually mirror a physician recruitment arrangement as applied to an NPP. And that's just not the case. And just like most of the Stark Law exceptions, the compensation that's being paid cannot be determined in any manner that takes into account the volume or value of referrals, either by the physicians in the group or the NPP. And then the compensation, signing bonus, and also the benefits, uh, because we are targeting the recruitment incentive to be applicable to the NPP's compensation, that the compensation for that NPP cannot exceed fair market value. And as I explained when I was talking about the physician recruitment exception, there's no fair market value requirement. So therefore, you don't have to do an income guarantee for a recruited physician. You can give a forgivable loan uh, to a physician and then prorate that forgivable loan over a term of years, like two, three, four years, and then that would apply to the physician recruitment exception. But here, under the NPP recruitment exception, that the amount of 
the remuneration being paid by the hospital to the physician or physician group has to be at fair market value. Similar to the physician recruitment exception, the NPP must relocate to the geographic area served by the hospital. And again, that's a, that crazy definition that it has to be the lowest number of consecutive zip codes from which the hospital draws at least 75% of the hospital's inpatients. So the NPP has to uh, relocate into the hospital's geographic area served by the hospital and that the NPP must be employed or engaged to provide services within that geographic area. So it's the service area and again it's the 75% test for the lowest number of zip codes. Now focusing on the compensation arrangement that the compensation arrangement has to be directly between the NPP and the physician or the physician organization or group practice. It cannot be through an agency or an independent contractor. So let's say that the NPP has their own corporation, so NPP Corp. The exception would not apply if the group practice contracts with that corporation. It has to be with the individual NPP. Now, the other real limitation of this exception, it only applies to primary care services or mental health care services. That is nowhere in the physician recruitment exception or in the safe harbor under the anti-kickback statute. So there's a, a very restrictive limitation under this exception for NPPs. It's only primary care and mental health. And what's interesting in the exception, it does not define what primary care is. So I'm going to add a little bit of meat to that. And I believe that the primary care classification in this exception applies to NPPs that practice in family medicine or internal medicine. I think that we can all agree with that. Uh, but also some other areas would be gerontology, possibly a primary care hospitalist, OBGYN, pediatrics or child health, as well as urgent care. Because all those classifications are primarily primary care, and especially when you look at benchmark data from the benchmarking sources, those are frequently listed as primary care specialties of NPPs. So again, it can only be limited to primary care and mental health, and that is a strict restriction that is not applicable to the physician recruitment exception. The records regarding the recruitment arrangement has to be maintained for at least six years. And then also the, uh, the exception defines what a non-physician practitioner means. And so the list as contained in the exception includes physician assistants, so PAs, nurse practitioners, NPs, clinical nurse specialists, certified nurse midwives, clinical social workers, and clinical psychologists. Now note a couple of things that are not in this exception. So this exception does not apply to CRNAs. Now one would question, do CRNAs or anesthesiologists actually refer? Going back to the basics of the Stark Law, anesthesiology is not one of the noted exceptions that 
of a specialty that does not refer. So technically, they're swept into the Stark Law if you are an MD or DO in the specialty of anesthesiology. But under this exception for NPPs, it does not apply to CRNAs. So if a hospital wants to financially assist a, an anesthesiology group for the recruitment of a CRNA, then technically, unless you want to rely on the fact that uh, CRNAs and anesthesiologists do not refer, which I wouldn't usually go there, um, then this exception would not apply to CRNA recruitment. As I stated previously, that the 50% applies to the compensation arrangement between the physician group and the NPP. And the exception defines that compensation arrangement as being a W-2 employment arrangement or a contractual arrangement. Again, it can be an independent contractor arrangement as long as it's directly with the NPP and not with an agency or a corporation uh, owned or you know contracted with the NPP. And, but it does not include an ownership arrangement with the NPP. So let's say that the NPP has an ownership interest in what I'm going to call that, in air quotes, physician organization, which they could, according to state law, have an ownership interest in, in most states. Then the 50% would not apply to any distribution related to the ownership. It can only be a distribution or compensation that is uh, that's paid, that is W-2 or 1099 compensation. It cannot be K-1 distribution based upon the NPP's ownership uh, in that physician organization. There is also a three-year limitation in the NPP recruitment exception. And that means that a hospital cannot enter into an NPP recruitment arrangement with the same physician or physician organization unless it is greater than three years between each arrangement. So you're limited for every three years by entering into a recruitment arrangement with that physician or physician group. Unlike the physician recruitment exception, it, there is no such limitation. There's no such three-year limitation. Now, that limitation does not apply if the recruited NPP is replacing a physician that is otherwise terminated or deceased or severs themselves from that physician organization. So if the, re if the NPP is replacing a, another NPP, then the three-year limitation does not apply. But the caveat to that replacement of an NPP that has departed, the new NPP must commence their financial arrangement, their compensation arrangement with the physician group within one year of that NPP's departure. So again, there's generally a three-year limitation that you cannot enter into more than one of these arrangements during a three-year period, with one exception being that if the recruited NPP is replacing a departed NPP, and as long as that newly recruited NPP is replacing that departed NPP within one year of such departure, I'm not reading this, it's kind of weird how lawyers talk, but uh, <laughs> then that would be acceptable under that exception. And generally, with respect to NPP recruitment, just remember that the stand in the shoes still applies, and also the immediate family member. So if a spouse, a child of a referring physician, and that the recruitment arrangement for the NPP is either directly with the physician or the physician group, 
Uh, you have to be careful to analyze all the physicians who stand in the shoes of that physician group as well as all the physicians in that physician group whether or not they have an immediate family member connection with that NPPs. And a lot of markets out there, especially smaller cities or rural areas, both of those caveats will be important to analyze. So this brings us now to our Captain Integrity Punch Points for today. So Captain Integrity Punch Point number one is rules with respect to non-physician practitioner recruitment are very different from physician recruitment. So be very careful, carefully review the exception and do not rely on the physician recruitment exception. You can rely on the provider recruitment safe harbor under the anti-kickback statute because it's broader than just physicians. But be very careful uh, with respect to applying the physician recruitment exception to NPPs because there are vastly different rules under the NPP recruitment versus the physician recruitment. Captain Integrity punch point number two is the financial incentive cannot exceed 50% of the compensation, signing bonus, and beneficiaries. No other costs. Uh, like a lot of recruitment of physicians, you'll have like a recruitment fee, house hunting fee, and things like that. Those are not applicable expenses under the NPP recruitment exception. It's limited to 50%, and it's limited to compensation, signing bonus, and benefits that are paid directly to that NPP. And Captain Integrity punch point number three, and this is also a major caveat to this exception, it's limited only to primary care and mental health, not any other specialty. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Stark Integrity, the Stark Law and Compliance podcast. If you have any questions regarding this episode, the Stark Law, or healthcare compliance, you can contact me at bobwadecaptainintegrity at gmail.com or my law firm email address at bob.wade at nelsonmullins.com. You can review this and any other episode of Stark Integrity at the Captain Integrity website at captainintegrity.com. You can also follow me on LinkedIn under Bob Wade. I hope the three Captain Integrity punch points will help you with the Stark Law and compliance. In closing, remember that integrity depends on you and me.